This is the Mulligans Podcast, a real estate podcast focused on the duo. We created this podcast to share the stories of real estate individuals who have built their business from the ground up or have lost everything and are working to get it back. I'm Hayden Wright. I'm Austin Cole. And, and we, we are, are your hosts. hosts. On today's show, we have Ethan Newman. Ethan is just 19 years old in North Carolina and has done over 25 wholesale deals. Ethan is working actively to break into the multifamily space. So he drops a lot of gems about how he's doing that and how he's built his business so far. So be sure to listen closely for that. Um, Without further ado, let's just get right into it. Ethan Newman, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you being here, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Ethan, so if you don't mind, let's just kind of get right into it. Let's tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself and um, what got you into real estate. Okay. Well, I'm not sure how far to go back. I'll start with high school. Um, I was a terrible student in high school. (laughs) Absolutely terrible. Like I would not do my homework. I would not do my classwork. The only way I passed classes was just taking the tests. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, it was, end of my junior year and everybody started talking about going to college and applying to like, I'm in North Carolina. It's like NC state, Duke, UNC, Clemson, all these big schools. And I was sitting over here with my like, not crazy low GPA, but like lower GPA to where I wasn't getting into those schools. And I was like, man, like, am I going to go to community college and, and, and not go to a four year university? And I, I always wanted to be like kind of the class clown up until that point. And I didn't mind people like looking at me and thinking I wasn't like crazy smart because I just wanted to be funny and have a good time. But it was like at that point, I was like, wow, like I don't want to be looked at as some kid that just, you know, nothing wrong with community college, but I don't want to be looked at as that kid that didn't apply himself and that didn't give it his all. So after that, I senior year started and I went really hard at school. And obviously you can't really do much your senior year about getting into a college. Like it's kind of too late. <laughs> I think. Um, but I barely got into a, a four-year university, UNCW, and I continued applying myself from there. And I, again, I wasn't a good student in high school, went into college and I just, I studied, I went to the library every day, every weekend, uh, worked insanely hard and I got straight A's first year of college and that kind of like showed me whoa like if you put your mind to something you can do it and so at the end of my freshman year uh my buddy Kenny Donis he he came back um and he he started getting into wholesaling and got the Donis brothers into wholesaling and uh kind of got the whole squad interested and I'd always been like an entrepreneur like I Lemonade stand, obviously, as a kid, like that's everybody. <laughs> Law mowing company after that. And then in college, my buddy and I, we tried to start a couple of different businesses. We tried doing e-commerce. That didn't work. Made like three different stores. Uh, started a dorm solutions company. So uh, like I, we were making a mattress extender as a, like a prototype. We went to a college to get it prototyped. It was like five to ten thousand dollars just to do that and we didn't have that money so we're like oh my gosh it's gonna be too expensive and so we were kind of just looking for something to do and then when wholesaling came around um we just jumped on it and so uh bought lists bought a dialer started dialing started calling we would call from 
9 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. every single day. I'd get one lead some days. I'd get zero leads some days. I would get three leads some days, and it was it was just a grind. And then uh, did wholesaling for about a year, a year and three or four months. And then just recently, about three months ago, jumped into multifamily, and uh, and that's where I am now. Nice. Interesting. So, so you were doing wholesaling while you were in school, correct? Correct. So it was the end of my freshman year and I was doing wholesaling and then we got let out on COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, got, uh, that was right after spring break. And so took that time to really start going hard and, uh, got the dialer, got the data and, uh, just, just started calling and started hitting the phones. Interesting. So how, how did you know, you know, where to go to, to get a dialer, to get the data, like what what kind of research did you do to get into that? The beautiful website called YouTube. YouTube there we go. University. YouTube I, I mean, University. that's like that's like really cliche, right? <laughs> like everybody says YouTube, but literally, if you're starting something, you can find almost all the information you need, at least beginner information on YouTube. So all the all the gurus on YouTube, they would give out free information. Obviously, they try to sell you something after that. Uh, but at least they, they're giving you a little bit of value up front so you can take that and run with it. So what was your uh, first deal? If you want to, we can dive into that kind of, if you remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, bef- <laughs> before I even got the first deal, I had um, three parcels of land under contract. And this is a crazy story. Like, this is <laughs> wild. Um, three parcels of land under contract. Everything looks good. We got it under contract for a really good price. We assigned that contract to somebody who wanted to build on it and then got the closing documents ready, got the closing date scheduled. Day of closing, it was closing in the evening and it was past the time of closing. We didn't hear from the attorney, but my partner and I were like, let's go. Like, like nothing bad happened. Like we got, we're going to get the money in a couple of days. Next morning, we, we reach out and we're like, hey, what? Like we haven't heard anything. They're like, Oh yeah, there was a uh, a tax foreclosure back in 2001 on the property. So yeah, we're not going to be able to close on this. <laughs> oh. And we're like we were already like we were literally already counting our like what are we going to do with this money? How are we going <laughs> to like put this back into the business? We already like talked about what we're going to spend it on marketing, on data, on software, and we found out that it didn't close and we tried to put it back together from there for the next month, but it never happened. <laughs> so oh, man. not my first deal. My, that was my first contract. Uh, but it definitely taught me that you have to wait until the money's in your account. One and two, always make sure you're communicating with all parties involved in the transaction. Mm-hmm. So from there, that was about two months in, that was about two months in. And then it took me another two months to get the first, uh, deal, which is a vacant property in a small submarket in North Carolina. And that came from a cold call and uh, cold called it, uh, got under contract. I'm sure you guys might have some more questions about the process, but um, that was a, a small deal, but it definitely showed me that everything was possible. And it wasn't just fake people on online on YouTube and telling us what to do. Like it was actually possible. So how long into um, your calling, your research, uh, did this deal come about? Uh, so I guess it was three months in that we got it under contract and then pushed right over into four months, it closed. So it, it took a while. And and this wasn't like 
these weren't two days or two hours a day, like calling or working. Like this was every single day calling, researching, like literally while I was dialing, I had books on my lap about real estate, about mindset. <laughs> and I would go through like a book every few days. Cause we were wow. calling 12 hours a day. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was about four months in, we got our first deal. Wow. That is a true grind. 12 hours a day. Jesus. Okay. So, uh, you know, you, you get this first deal, you, you, you realize that this is a real thing that this can happen. Um, what, what shifts, what, what is the next step? Um, this is, this is huge. A lot of people, when they get their first deal, I, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but I've seen some people that get their first deal and they go and spend that money on going out to eat or buying, buying a new car. It depends on the size of the deal, but buying a new car, go on vacation. We didn't take a paycheck from our business for probably eight to nine months. Like everything we made went back into the business into either data, software, different streams of marketing, or the most important, uh, self, self-education. So self-improvement, uh, like mentorships and books and, and courses. Um, so the mindset shift was, Hey, we can actually do this. This is a viable business model that we can scale. Like this is truly something that we can do. And so we just, just, we just attacked it even more after that. And y'all, y'all used a mentorship program during that time? Or? Yeah. So the first mentorship, my partner, by the way, at this time was Ben, Ben Rowan. Um, he's still in wholesaling. He and I joined Chris Jefferson's mentorship. It was like, at the time it was a hundred bucks a month. So super cheap for a mentorship. I don't know what it is now, but um, he basically got everybody on group calls and we had a group chat and we would hop on the call, talk about how to talk to sellers, how to market, um, what, what a contract means, what, what the content of a contract is, how to explain it, all that sort of stuff, all the necessary information you need to be able to complete a deal. Mm, okay. So, and, and that definitely helped you, um, you know, you know, you had a community to talk to and work through issues. I mean, that must've been huge at that time, right? Cause you know, you're going three, three months, 12 hours a day, uh, getting no results essentially. Right. So, uh, I mean, it, it must've been nice to have that, that support community saying, you know, like hang in there, you got this, you, it's, it's going to happen someday. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Cause no, like we would be calling and it would be like eight hours into the day. I'm like, Ben, I don't even have a lead yet. Like, what am I doing? And then I hop on the group chat. Um, I think it was like in the app band or something. And it would be like, hey, guys, just closed on my first deal for $35,000. And I'm like, all right, man, we got to keep going. <laughs> we got to keep going. Like, this is possible. Like, these are everyday people. This isn't just another right. guru online. Like, I've talked to these people. These are normal people making stuff happen. So that's huge. And I think a lot of people have that mindset to where, you know, they may look at others and say, oh, they have such a good squad. And, um, you know, I'm over here and I don't have any friends that are in real estate or I don't know anybody that's an entrepreneur that's doing, you know, doing really well. When I first started, I had my personal Instagram and then I made a business Instagram. And on that business Instagram, I, I really, really recommend this, by the way. I would only follow people that are in real estate that were in wholesaling or whatever, whatever uh, form of real estate. And I would go on there and I would be like, this is like, it almost felt like that was the whole world. Like everybody was in real estate. Cause that was, that was the only thing I was seeing. And so um, I, I stopped going on my personal Instagram, which by the way, I'm 19. So 
you can obviously you know what that is just partying going to the beach like whatever it was and uh, i would only go on the business instagram and that helped so much i would see people my age making stuff happen i would reach out to them i would dm them and be like hey let's hop on a phone call let's talk a lot of people in this business they're very very nice they're very open to spreading information and they'll be like yes this is where i started this is what i'm doing now this is where i'm going and i'm i'm like oh my gosh like you can do this. I can do this. Anybody can do this. Um, so that's been huge for me, just surrounding myself with not only the right people in my physical environment, but the online environment as well. Okay. So other than like paying for a mentorship or that community, how else do you surround yourself? Like in, in, in the Instagram thing, obviously, but um... Instagram. Um, yeah. All social, all social media. I think another thing is going to meetups i'm very i'm very blessed very lucky because pretty much my my girlfriend my whole friend group uh we're all in real estate so we we all have that that energy that that Mm. that those vibrations together and i I think it's really contagious like once you start getting on that path it's kind of like a magnet right so a magnet either repels things or brings things in and so you're gonna have people in your life that either get close to you because because that success, that energy, that vibration is contagious, or you're going to have people that are repelled by you because they don't believe in that or they don't believe in themselves yet, which makes them not believe in you. Mm. Um, so other than Instagram, getting in touch with people in your local area, going to a meetup, going to a RIA event. Um, there's a lot of people that you meet on Instagram that might be in your local area that you can hop on a phone call with. And the other thing is get to know older people. Mm. Don't, don't just hang out with people your age. I'm, I'm talking to the young person listening to this podcast, but I'm 19. I literally, I get along with people that are like 40 now. It's crazy. <laughs> like <laughs> before this, I would have never been able to talk to a 40 or 50 year old. Like I do now, like I'm genuinely their friend now like they see me as an equal and that would have never happened and i I think that comes down to mindset like your age is just a number if you put in the work and you read the books and you surround yourself with the right people you will shift your mindset and then you'll you'll connect on a different frequency with people no matter what their age is so did Hmm. you notice when you first started a uh, disconnect between most of the people middle-aged men women in real estate yeah, well, when I when I first started, I, I didn't have any way to connect with these older people because I, I wasn't on that path yet, right? Like, I, I didn't have the experience. I didn't have that commonality that would bring us together. But once I started reading books by, you know, Robert Kiyosaki or Napoleon, Napoleon Hill, I love that dude. That dude has <laughs> some great books. Like, I would just, because we, be, becoming friends with somebody, it's about having a commonality. And mm-hmm the personal development area in life, that's a commonality that can bring an 18 year old person together with a 63 year old person because they're both on that quest for personal development success. And so as I moved through the steps and read the books and took action, I found myself eventually talking to um, older people and getting along with them and becoming friends with them and learning from them and them learning from me. Um, I hope that answered the question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Then that's perfect. So you started really truthfully in March of 2020, right? End of March. Yeah. End of March, beginning of April. Yeah. Okay. So now how many wholesale deals have you done uh, to this day? Um, 
I think somewhere between like 25 and 30. Wow. Um, I'm not sure. I stopped. Like, obviously, it feels good to count. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it, it gets old. And that that's the thing. Like, everything gets old. So I think like we touched on, like working on the, working on that personal development is really, really crucial because at first I got my first whole CHA. Oh, my gosh, this is awesome. Oh. <laughs> I got all this money. Like I was literally, I was working as a host. I would make 250 bucks as a paycheck. And I would right. be so, so excited. Like, Oh my yeah. gosh, this is a huge paycheck. And then I get a check for thousands of dollars and it's like the craziest thing in the world. And then that happens again. And we'll close a bigger deal. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. This is, this is awesome. And then you start closing 10, 15 and it's like, all right, it starts to become normal. Like you have your marketing expenses, you have mm. different, you know, payroll, you've closed the deals before it's still exciting but it starts to feel normal and so every everything's relative everything's relative so yeah it it sounds like a lot but it's that's why working on personal personal development is so important it's because everything gets old honestly so now um how did you scale to have 25 to 30 deals in what is it like 18 months um there's so many things that go into that. Um, I think one is the team that I had around me. Okay. So um, first couple of weeks, first month or so, I was by myself, educating, all that sort of stuff. Got my best friend to join me. Um, his name has been around again. He, he was kind of like the integrator of the squad. And then like five months after that, uh, my current partner, Harris, Harris Trail, joined us. And we just had all the bases covered. Like I was the person on the phone's uh, talking to people like all I did, all I wanted to do was talk to people like get me mm-hmm. on the phones you guys can do everything else Ben was doing uh, our CRM he was like putting out all the fires all that sort of stuff and there's a lot of fires that comes up <laughs> <laughs> just like random stuff would happen and then Harris was coming up with, like these crazy systems to implement and like looking out and, and see how we can scale things and see how we can implement things and pull these different softwares together and uh, we just had a really, really good team that had all the bases covered. So I think that's that's one. Um, one of the speaking of that on the team, one of the best books that we read and implemented was called Traction. Have you guys heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Traction by Gino Wickman. Crazy, crazy good book. It basically talks about how to implement systems into your business. Treat like treating your real estate business as a business, not as a hobby. And so we started implementing things like our morning meeting, our morning huddle. So 8.45 every single morning, we hopped on a Zoom call. We have a Google uh, uh, a sheet that has what we're going to do today, what we did yesterday, if we did it. If not, why didn't we do it? What do you need help with? We go over that every morning and set the objective. That was huge. And now it's crazy because we can look back. We can look back a year from now or a year from today and be like, oh, my gosh, this is what I was working on. Like, (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you can see how far you've come. And so that book really changed our business. We implemented a lot like our our objectives, our core values, our, um, you know, weekly meetings to review, all that sort of stuff. So I think one of the major things was treating this as a business and not only as like a, a real estate investor, I should say. Okay. Austin, did you have a question? Yeah. So um, obviously you did a bunch of wholesaling. What changed your mind to the multifamily mindset? Like what drove you to that? 
go big or go home. (laughs) (laughs) That, that honestly, that was one of the major things like wholesaling is, is exciting. It's very transactional. Multifamily is also very transactional, but there's that residual income that you get because you're holding the property. Mm -hmm. Cause at start when, at, at the start of things, obviously you have to make active income to get passive income, right? So no, you can't just go straight into passive income. You have to have money to do that. So mm-hmm. multifamily is, is very similar to wholesaling is that we have to get deals. We have to find deals. We have to raise money for deals. We have to find good deals. And then eventually when we have those deals, the conveyor belt, you know, we get one deal year one, we get, you know, two deal, two deals year two. It's a conveyor belt. It'll start to stack up. And then you start getting the residual income. But we felt, hey, why are we wholesaling properties? And uh, with the hopes of getting into rentals and, and multifamily, it's just rentals on a larger scale. Why don't we just do it now? And I was like, I was like, Harris, like Harris is a little bit more conservative, conservative than I am. I just want to go out and do stuff. <laughs> like if somebody gives me a, a number to call, I'm like, all right, what's their name? What do I need to call about? Let me call them. And uh, Harris is a lot more conservative. He's like, okay, let's think about this. Let's make sure we're taking the right path. Think about X, Y, and Z. And it's a, it's a really good relationship. So he was kind of like, you know, let's, let's wait till we have more money to get into it. You know, we're doing well right now in wholesaling. Like, why would we do this? And I'm like, no, dude, I want to go right now. Like, let's do this thing. <laughs> and uh, so eventually, a couple of months later, we set a, a number that we needed to, to switch over to multifamily um, from wholesaling. We hit that number and uh, we got into it. So here we That's are. That's great. Today. That's yeah. awesome, man. Well, congrats. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like you guys have a really good partnership here. You know, you sort of yin and yang. You're 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 going straight into it, and he's like, "Well, let's just hold back for a second. So I think that's yeah, that's probably a really strong partnership. So, what are some of the? How did you even get started in multifamily? Like, wh- where did you start um, learning? What are your first steps? Um, you know, where did that go? First steps, just like wholesaling, and this is probably going to be something I do for every single business I start is join a freaking mentorship or find a mentor or find a community multifamily it's a it's a whole nother ball game right like wholesaling the barrier to entries is is low it's a pretty simple i wouldn't say it's a simple business because Mm -hmm. once you scale there's a lot of systems that you have to put in place but the concept is, is very simple Multifamily is a whole nother ball game. You have to learn how to underwrite, how to really underwrite. You're taking investors' money to place in these deals. You're the fiduciary of 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 this. Like you have to have a good deal and know what you're doing because you're taking other people's money, right? It's not like that in wholesaling. You're not even controlling the property. You just assign the contract. Um, so join a mentorship, really, really educate yourself. And that's what we did. We joined a mentorship called Jake and Gino. And uh, it's been it's been huge for us. The community there, the coaches there, the events we go to. Um, that was that was our first step into uh, the multifamily space. Okay. So now, how did you land on Jake and Gino? Bigger Pockets. Okay. So we went on Bigger Pockets. We said, Hey, we're looking at joining a mentorship. What is your experience? What do you guys What do you guys think? A bunch of different forms. Um, and like ninety percent of the people said Jake and Gino, and really? that was kind of surprising. I was like. Okay, well, there's you know there's Joe Fairless, there's Think Multifamily, Rod Khalif, there's a bunch of other uh, big names in the industry. Why why is everybody saying Jake and Gino? So, hopped on a phone call with uh, you know the people that onboard uh, the the mentees, and uh, it was just a good fit. 
Um, they had a really good vibe, good family atmosphere. Uh, they had a lot of events going on, very inclusive, very good network. And uh, we kind of just went with them. Like it was kind of a no brainer for us. <laughs> it just made sense. Yeah. It just made sense. I gotcha. Sweet. Okay. So now you're into this, you're into this group. Now I, I posted a little bit a while ago um, on bigger pockets about the same thing. You know, what is a good, uh, investment group to join where, where should we begin mm-hmm. type of thing right and and i got jake and gino as well as a response yeah. so and, and you said you joined with them because they had uh, it was just a good fit right mm-hmm. now for somebody starting out they don't know a lot about real estate they may not have the funds uh, that you had because you've been wholesaling working your butt off for so long making good money on those wholesales what would you still recommend they get into a you know a costly program like that or would you say that they should learn um try to build an understanding through podcasts and books and things or would you say take the money you do have and and put it into something that you know you're going to get a return out of that's a really good question yeah i'm sorry i I, (laughs) i think it i think it comes down to how committed you are like i when i first started wholesaling i almost got into um I forget the the mentorship, but it was like five thousand bucks, okay. and I didn't. I that's all the money I had. And mm-hmm. I didn't even know if this was a viable business model. I didn't know if I would like it. I didn't know if I was gonna even make it happen. So I was like, I'm not gonna put that money up and and risk it not working or risk me not liking it. And so yeah, I went that path. I went the podcast, the YouTube, which is completely fine. There's a bunch of information for free with books and podcasts and YouTube. But once wholesaling worked and i found out how hard i can actually push myself i'm like if if other people are making it happen i'm gonna make it happen i don't care how much money it is like obviously within reason but if the value that they're giving back to me is worth that investment i'm gonna do it all day so i think it really depends on the person like where are you at in your life have you done something like this before do you really really know this is what you want to do if you really know this is what you want to do you love it and you have the guts to to take that leap, I'm all for taking the leap. I'm all for, you know, jumping out of the airplane and uh I, I guess jumping off the cliff and build on the airplane on the way down on the way down. That's the that's the same, right? <laughs> so it depends on the person. I think starting off out with podcasts and YouTube and books is really important. Um but if you know you want to do something, then just get out there and do it. Sweet. So what success have you had in multifamily or are you still on the, in the transition phase. Yeah. So we've been in multifamily for about three months. Obviously multifamily is a long, long term play, (laughs) like very long term play. So, um, we started our podcast just like you guys, Mm -hmm. it's been very huge for us. Um, so my partner Harris, he is currently underwriting deals and talking to brokers. So he's underwriting anywhere from seven to seven to 10 deals a week um from from various sources mostly brokers and then i'm on the branding the marketing and investor relations so talking to investors friends and family at first and then just people that we have in our network and raising capital that way as well as doing the podcast uh instagram all that sort of stuff um so we we're still on the hunt for our first deal um but we're starting to get a little taste of what a good deal looks like starting to get some good numbers in the works um but it definitely it takes a while and that's one thing I appreciate about wholesaling is that it took us four months to get our first deal, right? So we know, okay, 
even though it's not happened yet, I know it can, I know it can work because it's the same thing. Like multifamily is wholesaling on a bigger scale. So it may take six months, eight months, a year to get our first year in multifamily, but I know it's going to happen because other people have done it. Mm, Yeah. It's been proved out before. Okay. Okay. So now, um, you, you, uh, I totally forgot my question, Austin. (laughs) Can I, can I, touch on something real Please, quick. Go ahead. I, I want to go back to the wholesaling just for a second because I think this is really important. When you look at, um, and this really goes for any industries, not just wholesaling, but when you look at somebody giving you advice, but they're also selling you something, be very wary. I know this is kind of on, on a tangent, but I really want to touch No, please, on please. Be very wary of what they're they're giving you advice on or what that advice is. So there's a lot of people, and this goes for, again, every industry. There's a lot of people in the wholesaling industry that give you good value, but they also have something to sell, whether that's, you know, whether that's a mentorship or whether that's an affiliate link, very Mm -hmm. big one. Uh, Those are the two biggest, I'd say anybody that gives you that type of advice, be very wary. Take, Take it with a grain of salt, obviously listen to it. But one of the things that we're implementing in multifamily that we learned in wholesaling is be creative with the softwares you're using, where you're getting your data from and who you're listening to. So for example, PropStream, huge, huge software that people use in the wholesaling industry. I know people who use it in multifamily as well. What everybody and their mama has an affiliate affiliate link for PropStream. <laughs> They're like, hey, go use my code, get 20% off. Um, one of the things that helped us in wholesaling is looking at, okay, what are these other large companies in these industries using? Like no big insurance company that's gathering data and buying data is using PropStream. They're just not, right? <laughs> They're just not. Mm-hmm. So okay. one of the things that we did in wholesaling is, hey, what are these other softwares that people aren't talking about where we can get data for a fourth of the price, where we can skip trace for a fourth of the price, where you know this software works 10 times better as a CRM than Podio? You know, what are these softwares? What, where are these websites that we can do? So we're, we're doing something similar in, in multi, just looking at all the options, all the softwares we can use, all the websites we can go to, all the resources we can use. And uh, really looking at it from an industry, like a, a, a world perspective, not just specific to our industry. And that's, that's helped out a lot. Mm. So you're using your affiliate link for the Jake and Gino mentorship program. <laughs> Sadly, I do not have an affiliate link for Jake and Gino. No. Well, that's good. Okay. I remember my question. I, I don't know where my brain went for that time, but uh, so wholesaling that, I mean, I've heard a good bit that you know, it's hard to get brokers to take you seriously in multifamily and property yep. managers to take you seriously. Right. And now you're young. Um, you don't have any experience in multifamily, but you do have any experience in wholesaling. Mm-hmm. Does, do you feel that that translates well to the the people you're talking to, to, you know, to buy into, you know, when you're selling yourself and you're selling your business? Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that wholesaling specifically helps in multifamily, okay. at least when you're talking to brokers. It helps a lot with the systems and setting up a business. But the things that we took away from the things that we learned within wholesaling help. So building a rapport. And this is one thing. When I started wholesaling, I would go up to attorneys and I would be scared like to talk to an attorney, but 
I'm paying them. Like they're working right. for me. They're helping me. <laughs> right. And so <laughs> after a while, I got so tight with my attorney and, and the paralegal that worked with him. And it was like, wow, everybody is just a real person. Right. Every everybody, no matter what profession they're in or what what industry they're in, they go home to their house. They go eat dinner. They have a family. They talk about football or what they did today. Like everybody's real. And so the one thing we took from wholesaling is that not only is these brokers are just real people, right? And also the rapport, like just build rapport with them, talk to them about um, what you've been through, your past, what they're working on, what's what's coming up in the pipeline. Um, everybody's a real person. Sweet. Mm. So yeah, what criteria are you looking for right now in multifamily? So this also changed. So at first we were going to take our direct to seller skills from wholesaling and apply that to multifamily. So going direct to seller um, anywhere from, you know, 10 to really like 60 units. And uh, then I went to a couple of meetups, talked with a few people and I said, Hey, you know, if you could do this thing all over again, what would you do? And they would say, dude, I'd go big. It takes the same amount of time to find, 150 units as it does a 40 units but guess what you have what four times more three times more units um three times as many so uh right now we're looking for 75 to kind of like that 250 range um for ourselves and obviously we're going to partner up with somebody to do that but my partner uh harris is also uh talking with brokers for anything above 75 units because we're actually building some connections with some some um, hedge funds some institutional buyers that have pension money uh, that we can pass these deals along to so we're really looking for anything that makes sense over 75 units i should say wow okay and now where are you looking uh so we're in north carolina we're based in raleigh so he's looking talking to brokers in this area as well as tennessee and uh, the thing about looking for big property is that the inventory is lower. So you, your ge- geographical area has to be greater, has to be larger. So we're slowly expanding uh, from North Carolina, expanding south. Uh, but one thing about multifamily is that you have to know your market. Mm-hmm. You have to know your market because when you're talking to these brokers and they say, hey, I have a deal on 123 Main Street. Oh, I know exactly where that is. Oh, I just had a partner that did a deal down the street from there last week. Oh, that's a great area. I just went to, you know, out to eat there or, you know, know your numbers, know the area. That's huge. So we're trying to learn not only our market, but multiple markets at the same time. So start, start small where you live, I would say, and slowly go out from there because you have to have deal flow. And so if you look, if I only looked in Raleigh, we would not have the deal flow that we need. So Mm. learning one Mm. market, expanding out, expanding out, expanding out until you have that deal flow you need. Okay. So I got, I have two questions here. I'll start with the first one. So how do you go about learning a market? Like you said, you're based in Raleigh. So mm-hmm. you, you've been there your whole life. You probably know the streets, you know, where mm-hmm. to buy and where not to buy. But when you're looking at an out-of-state market, what are you doing to research that? There's a few things you can do. So there's, there's the qualitative perspective and the quantitative perspective. So you can go on citydata.com or you can go on the census uh, website and you look and look at the the trends of population, of job growth, of income growth, and you can learn all those numbers, right? Um, and that's great. You, sh- you should know those numbers when looking at a market as a whole. But within that, 
within Raleigh, there's different submarkets. There's Cary, there's Garner, there's Wake Forest, there's Morrisville. And that's a little bit harder to get on the, the number side because it, it kind of gets murky when you get down to a street level. So that's where one, either driving the city works or talking to property managers, talking to brokers, talking to people who actually live there, maybe even like a residential realtor about spe- specific areas is going to be really important and just get a feel for um, that area. And one thing that uh, this is really, really smart. It's, a, it's kind of a gym. <laughs> My partner here is he, if you go on Google maps, there's a, a section of Google maps where it's called my maps. Mm-hmm. And so if you go on my maps, you can actually save uh, different pieces of, I want to say data, but like pinpoint different things on the map and save it. So what he's done is he's talked with our partners, talked with property managers and talked with brokers, and he's got a feel for our market. So he has different pinpoints. Okay. This is Duke university. Okay. This is UNC Chapel Hill. Okay. This is an opportunity zone. So it's not, it's not, the best area okay this is you know a deal that our partners did six months ago that went full cycle so he's has all of that on his my map and then when he, he's talking to a broker and they say again hey i have a deal at one two three main street he said oh, okay and then he looks on the map and he says okay this is close to that this is in the opportunity zone oh, i don't like that this is this this is this and he can and he can do that all over the phone and so my maps has been huge for for learning a market and actually retaining that information that is the gym. That's brilliant. <laughs> okay. So it's <laughs> a <laughs> so follow-up question. And you kind of touched on that a little bit. So I think I know what you're going to say here, but how do you, how do you get deals coming across your desk? What are you doing to find that? Are you still using the old, uh, you know, cold call approach, which you probably use for wholesaling or, um, you know, you networking with brokers, like you said? Um, well, there's two different types of cold calls and well, there's a lot of cold calls, but you can either cold call sellers or, or uh, owners or brokers. Um, and, both ways is hard. So at least in the space of 75 plus only about, you know, I'd say five to 10% of deals that happen are direct to seller. The rest of the deals go through brokers. So brokers own the game, at least for 75 plus. So what Harris started doing was cold calling these brokers. And that was kind of tough. They'd be like, mm-hmm. okay, what are you calling about? And Harris, would, you know, go through the script. Hey, I'm looking for this. It's my criteria. Um, but what we found is, finding a way to creatively warm up that conversation before you call them is huge. So call them about a deal that they listed on Crexy or LoopNet, right? Say, I, I like this deal. I underwrote it, but it doesn't work for us because this isn't this. But what do you, what else do you have? Or an even better way is to network with people in the area and ask for an introduction through another person. Mm. And a lot of brokers, they like to communicate through email because they're really, really busy and they like to stay organized. So asking for an email introduction, not a phone call introduction through another person that knows them um, is also huge. And I got that tip from uh, Darren Light, who we had on our podcast. So we're implementing that right now um, because the multifamily space is it's, it's small, like people know each other. So right. If you meet somebody at a meetup, they, they might know a broker, a property manager might know a broker, build a relationship with somebody who knows them and then ask for that introduction. Sweet. Mm. So what are your goals for the next, say, three to five years in multifamily? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's a moving target. Um, I have a hard time coming up with like five-year, 10-year goals because I was 
in college two years ago. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like I was wholesaling a year ago. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about where I am today. So um, I know what I want to do 20 years out and that's have a massive amount of cash flow to where one, I could fund other business ventures and take risks because I always have that check coming in next month. And also um, I, I read a book called leaving Microsoft to change the world. I got it from one of my mentors. Um, and it's basically about a, a Microsoft executive who leaves his corporate job, goes to Nepal, sees the education system, sees how broken it is. And he starts a nonprofit to uh, give, give books to people to build libraries, schools, all that sort of stuff. And uh, it's called rooms to read is the nonprofit now. So I wanted to do something very similar to where I go to other countries and I help with the infrastructure. So building, building libraries is number one because books changed my life. Uh, my mom's a teacher. So I, I told her about that and she loves it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, three to five years, it's like, I don't know where I'm going to be in three to five years. I know what my end goal is mm-hmm. and that's to have a, a, a lot of cash flow, a lot of passive income. And I know where I want to be um, three months from now, but that in between is very difficult for me to come up with. <laughs> so, so what's your, what's your three month goal then? So our three we have a lot of three months goals. Oh. So, <laughs> and that's comes from traction, that book that I talked about earlier, mm-hmm. we have our three month objectives, which are actually coming up in like two weeks that we have to go over. So, <laughs> um, what uh, just, I'll just touch on a, a few points of our three month goals and we're going to have to rewrite these but it's a certain amount of capital raised. So that's my responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. So I have a three month goal of a million dollars capital raised um, in soft commits. And then Harris has his three month goals, which I forget exactly what they are, but it's a certain amount of deals under rent per week. Um, obviously a number of LOIs that needs to be put in a number of brokers that you're speaking to each, each week. So we break it down and we go over those on our weekly meetings. And those are called our scorecards. We have our three-month objectives, and then we have our scorecards to get to those objectives. So, hey, Ethan, how many investors do you speak to this week? How many pieces of content did you put out this week? Okay, well, your scorecard says you need to do five. Why did you do four? Oh, you did seven? Awesome. Um, so, yeah, traction, read the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I mean, you touched on something you kind of just blew past, it, but you're trying to raise $3 million. Is that an accurate number in soft commits? Um, yeah. Well, my first goal is a million. Um, just because, you know, I've, I mean, you can say 3 million, but I'm going to do a million. Um, <laughs> it, it's hard. Soft. So soft commits are, are tricky because you can't really pinpoint how many people are going to actually invest in a deal, but mm-hmm. you can say, okay, I have this many people that are willing to look at the deal and have this mon- much mm-hmm. money to, to do. So, um, pinpointing an actual raise is hard, but in soft commits, yeah. Um, I'm reaching out to friends, reaching out to family, reaching out to people in our network to, to, to raise money and bring this opportunity to them. And uh, a soft commit is like, hey, when you have a deal, send it to me. I'm interested in investing. But only about one third is different for everybody, but about one third of those soft commits turn into actually investing. So mm-hmm. it's my job to have money ready to go when we get a deal. And it's right. Harris's job to get that deal. Gotcha. So now how are you, who are you talking to and how are you raising this money? How does that conversation look? So the first, so in a 506B in multifamily, mm-hmm. it's, it's accredited investors and up to 35 sophisticated investors. So those sophisticated investors represent uh, people who have the knowledge um, to be able to basically know what risk they're taking when they're investing in something. And then accredited investor is a million bucks or, or more in net worth minus their uh, 
primary residence equity or $200,000 in income. Um, so I'm going out to my friends and family first who I know, you know, may be interested in an opportunity like this. And I'm saying, hey, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what the returns look like. This is where you coming in, come in. Hey, would you be interested in taking a look at a deal when it comes across the table? And then so they'll say yes, they'll say no, I'm not ready right now. If they say yes, you put them on a, you know, an email. So we, we use active campaign. So you send out emails to them. Um, there's MailChimp, there's active campaign. We used MailChimp for wholesaling for blasting out properties. I've heard better things about active campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when a deal comes across the table, you present it to them. Okay. And then again, one third of them will usually take the step. Interesting. And so with, uh, when you're raising the money, are you raising the money for the down payment or are you raising the money to finance the deal yourself? Yeah, good question. So um, in, in large properties, it's, it's for the down payment. So mm-hmm. you usually get about 75 to 80% leverage. So loan to value ratio on these types of properties. And so you're raising for the, the down payment as well as any you know, capex that you need to do to the property. So any, it's basically your entry fee. You have to raise money for your entry fee. And those are considered LP. So they're passive investors. Um, and the actual sponsorship team is the GP team. So the, the people that are actively putting the sweat equity in, but we also put in money as well. We actually have to from the, from the lender. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's raising money for the, the entry fee, I, I would say. All right. Mm-hmm. So what is, what is the biggest you've made, biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? And what did you learn from it? Oh man. Um, I would go back to saying, listening to, to people who have, who are making money off of you. <laughs> I would go back to that. I think that's just been such a gym. I mean, we've gotten so many softwares, um, from, from wholesaling, from, from looking creatively outside the box. Like, um, IDI core is a skip tracing company. You can use this in multifamily as well as wholesaling. It's called IDI core. Um, so a lot of these, uh, companies like batch skip tracing, um, that have the marketing power to pull you in to use their platform. They're almost just like you, they're like user interfaces, right? So they have the platform that looks really good, that's easy to use, so you use them. But then they're not actually doing the skip tracing. They're not actually finding the phone numbers. They outsource that to a company like IDI Core, who only focuses on that data. They don't focus on marketing or building up their user interface. They only focusing on supplying the data. They're basically a wholesaler for data. Um, and they supply it for way cheaper. So, okay, why would I go to batch skip tracing when I can go directly to IDI core or go, go directly to somebody who gives it to me cheaper? Um, well, I'm trying to think of another software we did that for, um, data. So people are trying to sell data, prop stream data, list source data. Okay. Who's supplying that data. Okay. They're just getting it directly from tax records. Okay. Why don't I just go directly to tax records and pull a list? Why don't I just build a bot to scrape tax records and, and put it onto an Excel sheet? Okay, who's supplying these phone numbers for these dialers? Okay, they're charging me five, $5 um, a month per phone number to use, to use it, right? And who's supplying that? Okay, a company called Twilio. Twilio supplying those phone numbers where we can get it for like 50 cents. I forget how much it was, like 50 cents. It was crazy, a ridiculous amount cheaper. Who's supplying that? Okay, let's go directly to them. So thinking outside the box when it comes to using resources and softwares has been huge. And our mistake was not doing that from the very beginning. 
That is, that is so interesting. I, you know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and talked to a lot of people, but I haven't heard anybody say like, you know, peek behind the curtain and see what they're yeah. using. Yeah. That's, that is such a gem. That is brilliant. Yeah. You know I mean, what, it is I mean, so smart. we were doing ringless voicemail and wholesaling and we mm-hmm. were, we were blasting out like 500,000 messages every month. And so the amount of phone numbers that we needed to have, so it wasn't scam likely was absurd. We were blowing through phone numbers and somebody charging $5 for every phone number that we have to replace every three days, it, it gets expensive. And by the way, we only have, we don't have one no- number. We have 20, 30, 40, 50 numbers. Mm-hmm. So it gets super expensive. And so I figured it like, okay, these people are supplying the phone numbers, but who's, yeah, like you said, who's behind the curtain? They have the user interface to make this easy, but I don't care about easy. I care about <laughs> making it work. And if I can make it work without it being easy and, and sexy from the interface, and I don't care, like, let me go to Twilio and let me get these numbers directly. Um, and so Twilio is just one provider for, for phone numbers and that sort of stuff. Um, it, and that, that goes across every industry. I mean, obviously there's always backend providers for these softwares and it's just looking at, okay, how can I do this better? How can I make this more efficient? How can I do this cheaper? And that allows you to scale. That's so interesting. Yeah. So (laughs) that's crazy. So if you lost everything a day or had to restart, what what would you do? Where would you start at? Would I lose my mindset or would I have the same mindset? You have the same mindset. Same mindset. Yeah. You just lost your money. Somebody lost all my money. Cameron stole your money. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would start off by I'd probably start wholesaling again, honestly. I'd I'd probably start wholesaling again or I would actually let me not do that. I would go directly into multifamily again. Um <laughs> but I would either have some sort of side hustle to help fund my multifamily venture. So work for somebody maybe part time to do that, or I would work for somebody directly in multifamily to where Hey, I'm getting a small paycheck to live, but look at how much I'm learning. Because mm-hmm. my, my really buddy, good. my buddy did that, did that for um wholesaling. Ben, he he partnered up with this dude, Scotty, and he, he's getting a good amount of money from it, but <laughs> he's also learning from somebody who's an absolute killer in business and sales. And so it's okay, let me get a mentorship, but not I'm not paying for the mentorship. I'm getting paid to do the mentorship because I'm learning and also getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would probably do something like that. That's so smart. So uh, for the audience listening today, if they took one thing away from everything you said, they ignored everything else. What would you want that to be? Oh, you hit me with another hard question. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I love it. To... <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, believe in yourself, work on yourself before you work on others. Um, we didn't really touch on this, but there's a lot of instances, a lot of situations that I've been in that personally developing yourself will help you help other people more. So for example, um, one of my family members is studying to become a nurse and, um, she wants to help people and you can directly help people by, uh, being a nurse. Right. But my mindset is, Hey, if I help myself first, right. If I get this knowledge, if I do the personal development, but I especially get the money first, I'm going to be able to go out and help so many more people. And maybe I can't help people today because I'm investing in myself. But man, five, 10 years from now, man, people in other countries, that's, that's, 
that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help them so much. And those people that are doubting me today, I'm going to help them too because it's all love. So invest in yourself before you go out and help other people. Um, but don't forget to go out and help other people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something. Yeah. You got to find your, your passion and drive your true purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause if you don't have that purpose or drive, you're not, you're going to be left drifting and then you're going to be like everybody else. And how are you going to help somebody? If you're in the right. same position, you if you're in the same boat, how are you going to help them? Right. Yeah. So uh, how can our audience uh, help you out? Yeah. While we're on the topic of helping people. <laughs> Hey, give me a follow. It's like, <laughs> um, yeah, you can, you can, um, if you guys want to reach out to me, um, you can follow me on Instagram. I deleted Instagram off my phone. I deleted Snapchat, Instagram. Um, what else did I delete? I deleted Facebook off my phone. Um, so I actually, <laughs> I have my girlfriend running my Instagrams. So if I really, it, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, I I didn't want to be on social media, but I still wanted to be on social media. <laughs> like right, I physically right. don't want to be on social media, but I want my presence to be on social media. So I actually have my girlfriend. Um, I'll send her a picture and a caption and she'll post it. Um, if there's a DM that she can't respond to, she'll send it to me in a screenshot and I'll respond to it over text message. Um, and then the only social media that I have on my phone is LinkedIn. Um, and I can pull up Facebook on the computer, but Instagram is the best way to reach me. Um, Ethan Newman official and then Facebook and LinkedIn is just Ethan Newman. Um, and then also we have our own podcast for, for multifamily, which hopefully we'll be able to get you guys on there. Maybe a couple <laughs> months, maybe yeah. we'll see what happens. Uh, it's called the, uh, the no BS real estate show. Oh, that's okay. a great name. Thank you. That's well, a phenomenal. We, name. uh, we were listening to these podcasts, learning multifamily, same thing with wholesaling. And, um, we just, there was like a lot of fluff, and like not people like people weren't necessarily spitting gems and like giving mm-hmm. me like I want to be able to listen to a podcast and I don't want to have to like I don't want to be able to drive. I want to be like, OK, I have to pull over and take yeah. notes or I'm going to crash. <laughs> like that's what <laughs> I want my podcast to be like. So that comes down to obviously setting that expectation up front, but also like you guys like asking questions is not as easy as it looks like right. <laughs> steering the conversation is really difficult. And so it comes down to uh, learning that skill. And so that's a goal of our episode. So uh, yeah, everybody should check it out. It's coming yeah, out soon. That's great. And I, I'm not to, not to discredit your podcast anymore, but like the, the Donna's brothers, I think have that too. They've, they've worked really hard on uh, finding guests and they have very concentrated questions and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of value in that. So yeah. I haven't listened to yours yet, but I, I, I definitely will. If, if that is the focus, cause I think that <laughs> is important. Cause like some of the podcasts are long winded and it's about their family and their background. I don't, that's fine and all, but it is good. You know, yeah. I like, I like the gyms, like you said, and I think you've, you've done a lot of that today for us. So thank again, you, <laughs> dude, it's been wonderful having you on the show. I think that our audience is going to have uh, learned a lot from this. So we appreciate you on. Uh, everybody reach out to him let him know how how great he is or i guess his girlfriend necessarily because uh, <laughs> he's running it but uh yeah you know, that's a lot of trust going on there yeah, no. <laughs> well ethan glad to have you on the show man hope to know you in that 20 years when uh when you hit that that major goal of yours yes sir thank you hayden thank you austin Thank you everyone for listening to the show. We hope you gained something from today's episode and put it into action right away. Please make sure to share, subscribe, and review our podcast, as well as follow us on Instagram and TikTok at mulligans underscore underscore. This helps us to grow and share more great stories. My name is Austin Cole. 
I'm Hayden Wright, signing, signing off. off.